so fat is because you buy a meal and it's enough to, to feed you for four days <laughs> like holy fuck what is wrong with your country oh man welcome thank you welcome truly welcome I, to america where where, where things are better yeah gonna... this this is the size of glasses that they drink out of in america oh sorry in america 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 so we're heading out to la tomorrow we're going to meet up with Max. Yeah, first thing, uh, we're crashing with Max. Super shout out. Super awesome letting us stay with you, Max. And, uh, yeah, uh, E3 starting Tuesday. We're staying, we got to go, we're going surfing tomorrow. Yeah, we're going to go surfing as soon as we get to LA. We're going to head to the beach. There is somebody, hopefully he's in the chat. Um, yeah, do you know what his name is? Okay. At least what his Twitter is? It's like Zach something. Oh yeah, Zach Zuck. Zach Zuck. Zach Zuck is going to teach us how to surf. He offered to teach us how to surf. Well, he didn't offer. We well, kinda, we asked. He's like, we should meet up. I know you guys are interested in surfing. I'm a big surfer. So we're like, you should teach us how to surf for free. Yeah. Zach Zakoski. <laughs> so uh, he said that'd be that'd be good. Yeah. Um, Hopefully he's got like, well, three <laughs> surfboards, but I don't know. Well, think... we could share one, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, hopefully than... he's the same height as us, because that might matter. I don't know how surfing nah. works. I just know I'm going to be super fucking awesome at it. I'm just happy he's not 12. Yeah, I know. That would have been... I sent out that, that tweet like, hey, want to sure you can meet up with us? And I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, you're not 12, wait, are you? Hold on. Are you legal drinking age? Oh, of course you're not, because legal drinking age in America is 21. Yeah, just how it should be. You can vote at 18, but you can't drink until you're 21. What Voting you, should be 40. What sense does that make? Nobody should vote. Nobody a, does vote. That's right. how Obama got elected. <laughs> Obama! I got Obama jelly in the fridge. <laughs> oh, wait, it's Obama jelly. It's pretty much Obama jelly. Obama makes the best, best grape jelly in the nation. So, yeah, we don't have a plan for E3. I know uh, we're, just, we're, we're staying with Max. 
Yeah, staying with Max, we're going to do podcasts. Hopefully every night. Max. Hopefully Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Are you bringing stuff to podcast with? Because I don't want to lug all this shit with. Yeah, Eric's equipment is pretty terrible. It is not. We're on my new computer. Whatever. My computer that can actually run Diablo 3. Arguably. Yeah, arguably. I haven't seen it run anything besides Twitch, so... <laughs> and my mom's computer can run Twitch. Yeah, point taken. So, the whole point of this show is to talk about Final Fantasy... I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it 3. Because you played it. I played it as 3. On Super Nintendo. You played it as 6. But yes. it's technically 6. Three slash six, depending on if you care about the Japanese. But if you go in the true lineage of the game. Yes. True lineage, Final Fantasy VI. Yeah, it is Final Fantasy VI. And then they, they brought it back to America as three, and then that's when shit got fucked up. Yeah. For the for the for the line of things. Um, I'd never played it before. I'd played pieces of it up through maybe South Figaro. And then So like two hours in. Yeah. Well seven hours for Eric. No, not Two this hours time. for most people. Not this time. First time, yeah. It was... Uh, oh, fuck, fuck you, Matt. <laughs> An embarrassing amount of time. He's going to stop watching. Good. The chat's about to get less ignorant. <laughs> um, no, so this time I decided to actually sit down and play through it, and I played through it actually on the Super Nintendo. I figured... Which I'm super jealous of. Yeah. All the best glitches are still available on the Super I didn't Nintendo. Use, I didn't utilize any of those glitches, but... Um, like I said, I've never played this game before. Upon completion, it has it has actually secured a spot as one of my favorite Final Fantasies. It's great. It's I think it's the best. I think it's the number one best Final Fantasy game. The best? Yes. Really? Better than seven? No. Better than seven? Well, I'd give it better than seven, but I still think eight. Better than eight? Come on, you're killing me. <laughs> you're absolutely killing me. Uh, so. You probably understand. I plowed through this. I think I, I beat it in a shade under thirty hours. Yeah. Um, I did. I did probably ninety percent of the of the side quests, but I didn't level all my people up. But um, I didn't come close to leveling any of my people up. Storyline. Walk us through. Like, what is this one about? Because a lot of Final Fantasies are, at least at that time, they were very simplistic in their story. And 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 six was actually one of the. The first ones, besides like an in-depth story, yeah, super in-depth. A lot of arching, uh, arching character paths, uh, different scenarios you can play through instead of just your one main character, your party of four. Yeah. So, so the storyline for this game is there's the Empire, which is uh, Kefka and General Gestal. They're Emperor Gestal. Emperor Gestal. Sorry. Uh, they are waging war on the rest of the world of balance. Because Which they just know that as the basic world. Yeah. Because they want to gain control of the world and dominate the world. And they're doing this through using Magitech soldiers, which is soldiers infused with Magicite, which is what they call the, the magic in the but world. But magic has been gone in the world for a thousand years. Yeah, magic has been gone, and the Emperor found uh, a cave which leads to a portal... Which leads to the Esper world, which gets him magicite and magic, and he harnesses that, infuses it into the soldiers, and they become super soldiers, essentially. Yes. So the game opens with Terra, who's a magitech knight, who is 
arguably the main character of a game that doesn't have main characters. There are some. I, yeah. Yeah, I guess. In in theory, every character is as important as every other character, except for Realm and Strago. Fuck them. <laughs> and I, I'd say fuck Umaro, too. But yeah, secret characters don't really count. But yeah, so the game opens in the town of Narsh, where the Emperor has sent soldiers to occupy the city so that they can add it to their empire. Yes. Uh, the opposite of that, the opposite of the empire is the Returners, which is a group of rebels who are trying to stop the Empire from achieving their goals. And you're, you're a member of the Returners, if you choose to be. You have to choose to be. You don't have to choose. Uh, if you don't choose to become a member of the Returners in the first option that it gives you, it actually gives you a Genji Glove at the beginning of the game. You have to do it three times. No, you, do, you say no once, and then you go back inside to the cave and talk to one of the guards. And he's like, oh, you should probably... Join us. Here's one of the best equipments in the game. Enjoy. I did it three times and got it. Yeah, you can do it either way. Okay. You can either say no three times or you can say no once and then go inside and talk to him. Uh, anyway. Anyway. You, so You get your ragtag group of people together within... You get most of the crew within the first three, four hours. Yeah. But um, Terra, we find out very early in the game, is actually... Half human, half esper. Yes. So she is a magical being that is destined to save the world. Now, how did she become half human, half esper? Uh, she because be- the the, mag- the war of the mad the war of the magi was a thousand years in the past. Yes, and that's the last time humans and espers have had contact. Yes. So if she her father was you learn through part in the story Maduin, mm-hmm. um, and. Her mother, I don't remember what her mother's name was. Uh, Madonna. Madonna and Maduin had they relations. Be, they be fucking. Yeah. They be fucking. And they uh, had her. So, the way it worked is she ended up... I think, she, I think Madonna might have worked for the Empire and was part of the initial survey team that made it through the portal into the Esper world. Because... Okay, so Terra's not a thousand years old. No, no. Okay. Terra was born pretty much the minute the Empire invaded the Esper world. And then... That's right, they had that whole scene where um, Maduin and Madonna were were sacrificing themselves to go through. Yeah, in order to get Terra out so that she would The thing that I didn't understand is that this seal for the Esper cave was supposed to be 100% permanent, impenetrable. Uh, it was impenetrable as long as the statues stayed aligned. The statues were... But the statues were in the in the Esper world. No, the statues were in the physical world. Oh, okay. I missed that part. Yeah. Uh, there were three statues. They were the gods of the Espers, essentially. And they were locked in eternal struggle. Eternal battle. And in order to prevent themselves from destroying the world, they petrified themselves... Okay. In order to, to stop their war. So the game starts out with Terra, this half-human, half-esper, yeah. being controlled by the Empire. Yeah. Coming Brain, into brainwashed. Narshi. She had no idea who she was. Uh, she was captured by the Empire very young, so... And the Empire all... hasn't seen a true esper in a thousand years. Yeah. And there's word that there's an esper that appeared in Narshi. Yeah. So they bring Terra with her. Or with them because they think that she has this connection with the yes, espers. Yes, she, she th- they think that she'll be able to communicate with it in order in order to gain it 
sympathy towards the Empire so that they'll be able to control the Espers. Yes. So then, through a series of events, she becomes free of her captivity, meets up with Locke, yeah. who's kind of like the Final Fantasy version of Nathan Drake. Treasure Hunter, kind of... Yeah, even though Nathan, Nathan Drake is a douchebag and Locke is... You just don't like the voice actor. That's true. So... <laughs> All voice actors. I'm sure Locke would be voiced by Nolan North. <laughs> Probably. But, uh... Locke is, like, the quintessential returner. He's, like, battling for freedom and battling for for all the little people everybody has a really cliche goal in life yeah it's it's very very it's a jrpg from back in the day everybody's super cut out of the biggest cookie cutter stereotypes you can imagine yeah they only they are the ones who can complete their quest and it's the biggest thing in the world but um he lock kind of takes it on himself to protect Terra. yeah to protect Terra and to bring her to the leader of the returners to hopefully enlist her help in the war against the Empire. Um, and that's Edgar, right? Uh, that's Bannon. Bannon. Yeah. He was the guy who... Oh, he was the really old... Okay. Yeah, he played on the river. Yeah. And then he kind of left. Yeah, because he, he wasn't a character who was important to the story at all. He was just... He was a throwaway. Yeah. Just a little something to throw in to have... Hey, you look like you need healing for this section of the game, so we'll give you someone who can heal you. Oh, it was, uh... So they, they leave Narshi and they head out to Figaro. And they meet Edgar, who Locke... How did Locke and Edgar know each other? Because Edgar is the king of, of Figaro. Edgar's the king of Figaro. Who is misleading the Empire. Yes. Thinking that he is on their side. Because... But he's really sympathetic to the Returners. Figaro is the castle, South Figaro is the town. And, and they're nowhere near South each other. South Figaro is the, the headquarters of the Returner's hideout. Yeah. But you would think that a, a castle would be near its town? I mean, this is like half a continent away. Well, the, the only reason that is because the castle can move. And it has to be in a desert. Yeah. So why didn't they put the town in the desert? Well, because you can't put a town in a desert. They did in Nino Kuni. Yeah, but that was a... It was on an oasis in a desert. Because oh. there was water, so... Good point. Towns always have to be near water. Pro tip. <laughs> Not down here. We just pump it in. Fuck. Bring it in from Colorado. Good towns only have to be near water. That's why Phoenix is such the devil. Um, so Edgar, King of Figaro, he's yeah. the third main character that you meet. Yep. He's got a brother, Sabin. Yeah. And Sabin was, su- Sabin Sa- was supposed to secede... To the throne. Yeah, because he was the older brother. He was supposed to be king. But when Edgar and Sabin's parents died, uh, he went batshit crazy because it hints at it, but it doesn't really say it. Uh, the fact that the old king of Figaro was killed by the Empire. So Sabin... Was he? Yeah. I didn't pick up on that. Sabin went out to try and do something about it. And Edgar was left kind of picking up the pieces of the kingdom after the king died. And then Sabin in the process turned into this steroid gym junkie. Yeah. And he's kind of your brawler of the of the game. Um so Sabin's the fourth guy you pick up. And then and then after that is probably one of the coolest things that is in any RPG that I've ever seen. They actually split the game into three subplots. Yes. So I wish they would have did more of that later in the game. Yeah, that would have been super cool if they kept doing that. 
So essentially, there's three storylines that are happening simultaneously that you can play out in any order you want. There's the Locke scenario, the Saban, or the, the Terra scenario, and the... I thought Saban went off on his own, because when they, fall, when they oh, yeah, jump off the, the river... Scenario. The Saban scenario, the Locke scenario, and the Terra scenario. But Terra has Edgar and... Bannon. Bannon. Yeah. Okay. And Locke has to go back and sneak in and yeah. do all that good stuff. But um, so yeah, they all they all meet at the returners' headquarters and brainstorm all these ideas of what they have to do in order to stop the the empire, and then they break off into their separate subgroups, and then you play each of those each of those missions. Which order did you do them in? What order did I do them in? I think I went Locke, Terra, Saban. I did Locke's last. Really? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember what this each individual scenario is, but. Um, I think I did Locke's last. I did the, the the first one that I did was the Terra one with uh, Edgar and Bannon, and I found that this this glitch where if you're on the Let River, um, you can branch left, and then the next one you can go to you can branch right, but it just circles you back around. And if you have a turbo controller, if you just want to keep pressing A, you can just hold the A button and just go through battle after battle after battle. And I was just on the phone with some family members for like an hour and a half, two hours. I got out of there. I was an hour and a half, two hours into the game, and I was level forty. Yeah, just it's uh, or no level nineteen by that time. And by the end of the game, I, I I had only progressed up to forty. It's actually one of the one of the strangest little because this game keeps track of a lot of interesting stats, and one of the ones they keep track of is how many steps you take in the game. Mm-hmm. Which for uh, what purpose? A lot of Final Fantasies used to do that. No purpose. No, this is the only one. Is it? Yeah. Only Final Fantasy VI keeps track of steps. And Why? there was absolutely no reason. There was no reason for the game whatsoever to keep track of it. But you open your, your inventory, or you open your pause menu where it has... Like, it's right there skills, above your money. items, blah, 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 all these other... All, all these menus you can get into. And then at the bottom right, it's money and then steps taken. <laughs> and one of the... There's, there's a bunch of challenges, like for people who have played this game a lot... Like, different ways to play the game, there's, uh, just to name a few, there's single character challenge. The whole game, one character. Whole game, one character. How can you do that, though? Uh, in situations where you're not physically able to do it because of the game. Mm-hmm. Like then, the scenario splits? Then you don't have to. Okay. But any situation where you can have one character, you must have one character. Like, the final battle, <laughs> you have to kill off everyone else. In the first form, and only do it with one character. There's no way. That <laughs> character would have to be level 99 with every spell. Uh, not level 99. I figure single character, you could do it around level 50, level 60. No way. Yeah. I was level 60, and I was still struggling. Yeah, but that's level. because you're terrible. Nah, I'm awesome at that game. Uh, one of the other challenges is the Sedgar, or Celis Edgar Setzer challenge, which is when the world breaks in half halfway through the game... You lose all your party members. You start with just Celis, who is one of the characters that you meet during the lock scenario. Yeah. The, the lock side quest. And when you start up in the world of Ruin, is what it's called, you have an option to go to all these different cities and regain everyone in your party. But there's only three people that you actually have to get in order to progress in the game. Uh, you start with Celis... And then you go to South Figaro to pick up Edgar, Mm -hmm. because the only way off the starting island that you get to is through South Figaro. Yeah. And then after you get Edgar, you go to 
I want to say Kaligan, but I'm not entirely sure if that's right. It's where you go to the underground caves. Yeah, it's uh, it's where Daryl's tomb is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go to pick up Setzer, who knows where you get an airship, and then once you have the airship, you can fly to the end of the game and be done. So, uh, one of the challenges that actually gives you a different ending, which is super cool, and I didn't know that you could do that, so the next time I play through this game, I'm totally going to do the Segur Egg... Celis Edgar Setzer challenge. What's the what's the separate ending that you get? Do you know? Uh, it's different cutscenes at the end, entirely different cutscenes. Huh? But it only shows it for those three because you know how you had people missing, and it I only had one person missing. Two. Oh yeah, because I killed off Shadow. Yeah. Big fucking deal. <laughs> but yeah, it shows you it shows you different endings for those three characters, which I super want to see. Because I had no idea that you could do that. Uh-huh. Uh, and then the, one of the other challenges is uh, the fewest steps challenge. To try and beat the game with the, the fewest number on your step count. What's the lowest you've seen? Uh, I have seen people who say the easiest way to do it is you can get around 10,000. What? Yeah. 10,000 steps, game done. But, uh, you have to know exactly yeah, where you're going. You have to know exactly where you're going. You have to know exactly where to take shortcuts. Yeah. And uh, But the thing is, if you do the lead river trick, which is level up to 99 on that loop, mm-hmm. uh, which takes about three days play time, three full days, so 72 hours of just grinding this one zone, uh, if you do the full lead river trick to level 99... You can do it in theoretically around 8,000 steps. Jesus. Which is ridiculous. That is so... That's... Like, uh, I think the game that I'm playing that I did not finish in time, I'm around 22,000 steps. And that's, Really? Yeah. I was... I might... I need to go back and look, because I was thinking I was close to 80,000. No, you're, there's no way you're that high. No? No. I know I'm over 20,000 for sure. But yeah, so uh, so the main the main let's we gotta talk back to the story a little bit. The main protagonist in this game I've always heard is one of the most dynamic protagonist or the uh, antagonist. I'm sorry, uh, is one of the most dynamic villains of any Final Fantasy game, if not any RPG. So many people talk about Kefka as being their favorite Final Fantasy villain. It's true because he starts off at the beginning of the game as just like a lowly person in the Imperial Army. He's not that important. He's he's sent out to do missions. He's weird. He's yeah, just kind of like that awkward dude. He's, he's he's like he's the guy that 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 takes gerbils and breaks their neck. You yeah, know, just goofy. Yeah, he's he's super messed up. He does. He's the kind of guy who the ends always justifies the means. If he can, like one of the early things he does in the game is the emperor the emperor sends him to take Doma Castle. Yeah, and Doma Castle is garrisoned by a huge army, and there's almost no way that they're going to siege these people out. So the first thing Kefka does when he shows up is poisons their water supply. Yeah, kills thousands and thousands of civilians, and he's like, "What? No big deal. We're here to take the castle. We don't have to give a fuck about these people." And in the process, he kills the wife and child of one of the main characters. Yeah, he kills Zion. The, the king dies. The wife and the the daughter of the main one because cyan is the retainer to domo right yeah he's the he's essentially the chief the the lead knight the captain of the night guard the captain of the knight of domo castle and he he knew that it was being poisoned so he rushed back to the castle yeah to prevent try and save everyone from for such an early 
type of game where storytelling was still developing, like that was a gut wrenching scene to watch. Oh yeah, I mean, being able to tell something like that in in sixteen bit, it's crazy. And and that's that's why I think this is one of the best Final Fantasies because there's no voice acting except for Kefka's laugh, which is terrible. The best. No, it is so good. Anybody who's you can argue that there's kind of voice acting in the opera of Maria and Draco when they're singing, but even then they're not singing. They don't sing words. No, they just sing. Is that how it sounds? Well, in my head it is. I just heard wah 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 wah. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's just it's all story driven and it's all text based story. You actually become involved with the characters, and there's how many characters are there, including Secret? Fourteen. Fourteen, including Secret. That's so many. Yeah, like Final Fantasy thirteen two. You have two fucking characters. GG. No, you don't. You have more than that. Two main characters. Oh yeah. Everything. Three else. Mog. No. You can throw him. Mog. You can throw him. He's a tool. He's not a character. <laughs> he goes Koopo every once in a while. Um, but no, Kefka, over the course of this game, gets progressively and progressively more obsessed with power. With Magicite and using Magicite to gain power. Because halfway through the game, the Empire, the Emperor, Emperor Geshtal, realizes that, you know, using Magicite in order to enslave the world is going to end up destroying the world, so why would I want to be emperor of a pile of rubble? Yeah. And Kefka is thinking, I don't want to be emperor emperor of a pile of rubble. I want to be the god of the pile of rubble. Because people, he knows that deep down, you can kill off as many people as you want, but they're still going to, human nature is going to be there to, to struggle and survive and rebuild. And yeah. He, he gets his he gets his rocks off by destroying that. Yeah, and he actually he has a quote near the end of the game that's actually a super good quote, and it's uh, I don't remember what he exactly says, but Tara is talking to him, and she says, "Well, why do you keep destroying the world if you know humanity is just going to rebuild it?" And he says something along the lines of, "I just want to watch it burn." Yeah, like the whole Joker line from yeah Batman. Some people just want to watch the world burn. Yeah. Uh, no, he's a really interesting villain, just for. You, you never understand why he really does the things that he does and what caused him to do that. You're just like, this guy's fucking crazy. Yeah, he's just, he's super evil. And the way the way that they portray him as a character, it's just, it's so good because you have to hate him. Like, there's not a single person who will be like, hey, you know, I could kind of get behind that Kefka guy. <laughs> he's pretty, he's pretty good. He's kind of cool. He's just misunderstood. <laughs> I thought, I don't know, it, he's, initially he's very... I didn't like him, but he grows on you. I gotta open this window. I think it's... That window opens? Yeah, welcome to America, where our windows open. I was looking last night when uh, when I was sleeping with this fan directly above the bed, which, by the way, I did not figure out how to turn on. There's a switch. I know. Shut up. So you slept in this hot baking room? <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Uh, I figured out how to turn it on today, so GG. Or no, it was during the it was during my afternoon nap that I didn't figure out how to turn it on. I figured out how to turn it on when I was went to bed. Okay. Jeez. Anyway, but uh, yeah, I went to the window and went to try and figure out how to open it. And Windows slide. Fuck it. Whatever. They slide. No, and they crank, crank or go open up. Like from the, those are windows from the eighties. No way. Those are windows from Awesome Town. No. No, never. Uh, um. So halfway through the game. You're saying that, that Emperor 
Yeah. Emperor the, Gestalt. The Emperor realizes that... There's no point there's being no, Emperor there's of There's no nothing. reason of being the Emperor of nothing. But uh, Kefka, who's promoted to general by this time, uh, decides that he's going to overthrow the Emperor and take control. And he kills the Emperor and then essentially destroys the world. Because those three statues that we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. that uh, were locked in eternal struggle, the story was if they were ever moved out of alignment that it would rip apart the world because they froze themselves in perfect Triforce synchrony. And the statues were espers at one point, right? Yeah, the statues were the gods of the espers. Okay. They were the the people who birthed the espers. And they sacrificed themselves to lock the espers away in their own esper world. Yeah, so that, uh, now so that was, the is, world wouldn't tear itself Is apart. the esper world an alternate reality, or is it just like this dome inside the earth? Uh, I guess you could argue it's both. Because the only way to get through it is through the gate, and the only way to access the gate is through magic, so... Hmm. Okay. So that at that point, Kefka goes batshit crazy. At, at that point, Kefka goes batshit crazy, destroy, pretty much gets all the statues out of alignment, the world rips itself apart, and that's when the transition happens between the world of balance and the world of ruin. And that's where your party is flung to the different sides of the world. and Because they're to, all on the airship on yeah. the floating continent. And then you have to spend the second half of the game gathering your party back together in order to attack Kefka and his tower. And that second half of the game can be as long as you want or as short as you want. Yes. Because you could go through and you can, you, you, you can get to the world of Ruin with a full... Can you get there with 14 characters? You can get there with 12 characters. 12, because you can't get the two secret yeah. characters. No, you can get Gogo. No, you can't get Gogo. You get him in World of Ruin? Yeah. Okay. Um, you can get there with 12 characters, and then you have to refind all of them, and each one of them has their own scenario. Yeah, everybody has like a little subplot as to why they don't want to rejoin the party, because... Like, Tara's subplot That's is... That's fucking weird. I, her subplot was weird. Tara's, Tara, as a character... Uh, is somebody who's always she's been brainwashed her whole life because she had this collar on essentially. Uh, it was Crow. like it was like a circlet. It was like a brain control circlet. So mm-hmm. she couldn't. She never her entire life she never had control of her own destiny. And she was when she finally was released from that. She finds all out, she finds out all about love and friendship and loyalty and all these other good things that are in every Final Fantasy game. But she finds that out through taking care. Of, like, 15 orphan children who call her mom. Yeah, because once the world of Ruin shows up and everything is fucked, uh, she ends up in this town where all the parents have been killed off by the rampaging espers. And the only thing that's left is a handful of of kids. That's right, because when Kafka destroys the world, the espers go crazy. Yeah. And they get released into the world and start killing everybody. Because uh, all of their gods were defiled by Kefka, so they went bad shit over that. Yeah. So, Tara finds out that she doesn't want to leave all these kids on their own because who's going to take care of them, and there's a demon who's terrorizing the village that Tara has to fight off all the time, and... What was that demon's name? Funbaba. Funbaba. Okay. So, uh, once you show up, then you can help her fight off the demon, and then once she fights off the demon, then she's 
able to regain her courage and come out after but Kefka. What I'm talking about, how it's weird, is if you talk to each of those orphans, before you help Tara and take her away, they're talking about... There's there's two other adults there. Another, another they're father. They're not adults. They're teenagers. Okay. So there's two other older people there, and I don't remember what their names are, but... Um, yeah, I don't either. They were, the kids were saying, like, this guy likes this girl, and then, like, you get this... This this other kid that says he was he was hurting her and it's this you can tell because you're an adult and you you know what they're getting at but yeah he like, wasn't hurting her he, he was putting his penis into her. <laughs> why is daddy hurting mommy she was screaming last <laughs> night awful loud but yeah like that's just yeah it's like that was weird for for the game at its time because this game came that was out progressive in, in 1994. Yeah. And, well, American version came out in 1994. Mm-hmm. And to have a scene like that that was arguably only able to pick up, the older audience was only able to pick it up, right? Yeah. Because the younger audience would be like, oh, well, I don't understand. I don't even think the younger audience on. would have made it to that point in the game. Yeah, maybe. I mean, when I played it, I was, the first time I played it, I was like 13. And I played it to completion when I was 13, so... Well, you're just a cut above the rest. Well, it's because I'm such a genius with this <laughs> giant head. <laughs> Hats have always been an issue. Um, and then, let's see, Tara's was kind of... Who was Celeste? Okay, I wanted to ask you about Celeste's scenario, because Celeste ends up on a deserted island. Yeah. With every Final Fantasy game, or shouldn't say every, but almost every Final Fantasy game has some iteration of a character named Sid. Mm-hmm. And usually Sid is just a monstrous badass. I mean, Final Fantasy VII, he's the captain of the High Wind. Um, ten, or no, number nine, he is the um, uh, the king, the frog king, Sid. Oh, yeah. Um, eight, he's the headmaster of Balam Garden. And this game, he's some old fuddy-duddy in a duck jacket. Well, no, in this game, he's actually super influential, too, because... How? Celis was one of the Magitek knights who we were talking about. Yeah. Who was the uh, just a regular person who was uh, exposed to the Magisite and gained magical powers. And uh, Sid was actually the leader of the research team that developed the Magitek technology. That's right, because when you go into the Magitek research facility, he was finally awakened to what yeah. he was doing. Yeah, he realized that, you know, we can't use these espers. We can't enslave them for our own gains and this is bad and blah 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 so is it ever really revealed that at that part in the game i mean that's pretty early did celeste lead kefka and the empire to the returners inside the facility no kefka was just playing off of her yeah okay and that kind of caused a division yeah because between when, her and Locke. when they were because the returners broke into the magitech facility which is the research lab where they did all these experiments. And they had all, as many espers as they could gather in these in these vials and test tubes. Yeah, and the returners went there in order to destroy the factory to stop the experiments. And then once Sid, once once you get to the main area in the in the factory, Sid shows up, and Celis and Sid have a, a conversation about how everything's wrong and going fucked up with the war, and we shouldn't be enslaving them, and we shouldn't try to control the world and Sid realizes what's going on and then Kefka shows up and says oh hey Celis 
Thanks for thanks, leading us here. Thanks for betraying your friends and leading us here. And he, the only reason he did that is to sow doubt in the Returner movement. Yeah. He was just... he was The only reason he did that was to just try and fuck with them so that... And it worked. Oh, yeah. It totally worked. Because Locke always had that seed of doubt. Yeah, he's Throughout like, the rest of the game. He's like, well, I don't know about Celis because she used to work for the Empire and now she's one of us, but I'm not too sure. Is she really one of us? But they could so, they could build that case for anybody. Especially Edgar, because he was the king of, a, of an Empire nation. Well, no, they were actively opposing the Empire. Okay. Um, but no, in her scenario, I mean, you start out with Celeste in the World of Ruin, for some reason. Yeah. They, they give you Celeste, who... She's a very minor character in the first half of the game, but um, yeah. and, and see that's the thing with the game though is because the, your major characters are who you choose. Yeah, at once you unlock a character, uh, actually once you unlock the airship is what it is. Uh, you you can take from your pool of characters and choose whoever you want to be in your team. Yeah. So once you get to that point where you have the airship, then the main character is who you want it to be. So, my playthrough, my team was Locke, Celis, Gao, and Cyan. Wow. I think I went with Edgar, Sabin, Cyan, and then I switched between Gogo, Mog, and Locke. Yeah. Uh, that's basically what my team was for the first playthrough. Like, the very first time I beat it. The very first time I, did, I beat it, I was Terra, Edgar, Sabin, and Gogo. So back to back to the scenario with Celeste. Um, she's on this island with her. Sid isn't her grandfather. No, but Sid, Sid. Sid is essentially her mentor because yeah. he was the one leading the Magitek research, and she was one of the first Magitek soldiers. Yeah. So they have known each other for years and years. And, and years. he's always viewed her as sort of a granddaughter. Yeah. But they're on this island, completely alone, in this little hut, and. And Sid is dying. He's, well, you, you you don't know that he's dying. He's in bed, and he's like, I don't feel too well, I'm hungry. So you have this option to go down to the beach. Yeah. And there are three fish at the beach. There's a, two super slow four, one, yeah. and one super fast one that's really hard to catch. Yeah. And if you don't know, you can spend, you can just grab the first fish, go back, give it to him. And, yeah, because he says he's hungry, you go grab a fish, feed it to him. And then you, he'll say, either he's like, okay, I'm fine, or I want more. Yeah. And you go back down to the beach, get him another fish, bring it back, until he finally says, I'm full. Yeah. But, if you actively if you, pursue... If, if you just get the, the crappy fish, Sid dies. Yeah. If you either don't get the fish, like, uh, if you exit the building and go back in, that counts as a fail. Oh, wow. So, the way it works is, you need four fast fish... To bump him up a level of health. And mm -hmm. he needs to go up three levels of health in order to survive. Mm -hmm. So you need to go out four times, catch four fast fish, and bring him back to him to eat. Or you can just go in and out of the building four times. And he dies. And then he dies. Huh. So if you're just looking for speedrun, which is another one of the challenges, I actually watched a full speedrun of this game. You actually watched seven and a half hours of it? Uh, the... Once it was all said and done, it was six hours and 20 minutes, start to finish. That's so fast. Like, yeah, it took you just... I was 12 shade, hours to World of Ruin. A shade under 30 hours. It took... Uh, if I would have finished but it, it would have been 28 the hours. The difference is, is that I did everything. Yeah. 
I did absolutely everything except pick up Gao. Yeah, and and speedrun uh, this person who did it got all the espers and all the characters, and then Jesus. finished the game. Um, Six and a half hours. Returned. No, but there's some goofy stuff that happens in that scenario. Uh, Sid dies, mm-hmm. and then Celeste just she she loses her grip with reality and says, "You know what? I'm going to kill myself." So she walks up to this huge cliff. Did you kill Sid? Sid died in mine. Sid, I saved him. I see. I didn't understand the first time I went out. Like, oh, a slow fish, and I grabbed it for him, and then I walked out. Like, okay. Oh yeah. Cause... So Sid died in mine, and then um, Celeste became super depressed, decided to go up to the cliff and jump off. Because yeah, I missed all of that because I saved him. Have you ever seen this part? Uh, I know I have, but I don't really remember it. So, so so Celeste goes up there and she has this internal dialogue about what's happening and, and how there's nothing left to live for and she just kind of throws herself off this super high cliff. Lands in the ocean and drifts back to the beach by the house. And apparently you pick up on this this innuendo that a seagull saved her. A seagull wearing a bandana. And it's Locke's bandana. Oh. But she goes into the house and this is what's really weird. She goes back into the house and there's a letter at the foot of the bed. Yeah. From Sid. Who's dead. Who's already dead. GG. <laughs> and what's even stranger is that if you... Later in the game when you get the airship, you come back. That motherfucker is still in the bed. Just hanging out. Just rotting away. Well, I mean, it's a deserted island. Who's going to move him? I don't know. Birds are going to get in there and peck him away. It's got a, it's got a door. Birds can't open doors. It's the world of ruin. These buildings have holes in them. Yeah, I guess. It's just like... I thought that was a huge oversight with that letter at the foot of the bed. Eh, you can't really call it an oversight, though, because it was... Who wrote it? It was plot-driven. It needed to be there. I guess. Uh, But yeah, I saved him, and what happens when you save him is he's like, Oh, Celis, you've been like a daughter to me, you're such a great person, here, have my raft and get off this island and go... That's what the letter says, too essentially is there's a there's a raft downstairs go take it to wherever you need to go uh the funny part is in uh in the speed run that i watched you actually can skip all of that you can as soon as you get there you just go downstairs if you know where the stairs are you can just go down the stairs jump on the raft and peace out really yeah that's the other thing about this game is this game has so many hidden stairs so many hidden walkways treasure chests yeah there's like, uh, one of the first caves you get to is the Cave of Narsh in between South Figaro and Figaro Castle. Yeah. And uh, this was one of the first games to introduce the whole fact of, I know you see all these treasure chests here, <laughs> but if you don't open them, when you come back to them later in the game, they'll be super-powered and you'll get better treasure. Not me, I just opened everything. So did I. Like, alright, treasure! I forgot about that when I did this playthrough, so I opened all the all the treasure chests and, and all that stuff. But yeah, there's a bunch of super hard-to-see side paths in the caves that, if you happen to find them, it'll lead to a treasure chest with a probably a super powerful mm-hmm. item that you can use to most likely instantly kill the boss that you're about to fight. Or a monster in a box that kills you instantly. Yeah. But if it's a monster in a box, uh, every monster in the box in this game drops an amazing piece of loot. Yeah. Which is crazy. The other thing that bothered me, too, is that I started to get used to this, and I would start to obsess over, okay, how can I get to that? But then you find out that the game 
purposely puts these little pockets of, of window that you can barely see off the edge. You're like, how do I get that? I see a treasure chest. How do I get it? I want it. I want it. I want it. And then you spend ten hours trying to figure out how to get yeah. to it, and there's no way you can get to it. So. Well, there is a way, but you just don't actually know how. Like, no, it, there are there are specifically spots in this game where you can see something, but you cannot get to it. Really? Regardless of how hard you try, you cannot get to it. <sighs> don't start the yawning. I'm sorry. It's the heat just takes it out of you, man. It does. But uh, one of the best. Items in the game and in all Final Fantasies for people who play Final Fantasy, obviously, is the ribbon. Everyone knows what a ribbon does. It yeah. makes you immune to all status ailments. Uh, you can actually get one in Locke's scenario right at the beginning of the game. You can get one that early? Two hours in, you can get a ribbon. How? Uh, there is, you know, when you're underground, you get Celis, mm-hmm. and then you're going through that underground area to escape? Yes. Uh, there is one of those hidden paths because, uh, you know, there was that, there was a set of stairs that was surrounded by four walls Mm -hmm. that you couldn't get to. Yeah. There's a hidden path to get to that set of stairs and down those stairs is a ribbon. So it's, it's one of those situations where... That would be awesome to have it right away in the beginning of the game. If you're the type of person who either... Like, if you use a walkthrough and I feel you, like, you know where it is... I feel like this is a game that you need a walkthrough to really enjoy. 100%. You don't need a walkthrough, but it helps you so much. Well, you're going to miss a lot. Yeah, you you're going to miss a miss lot miss of the tons. characters. You're going to miss a lot of the little side plots. Like, Cyan's whole dream Yeah, in, his, in the world of Ruin. Um, he goes through this whole scenario where he... You go to a you go to a, a uh, inn. I don't know what city it's in, but you have to have Cyan in your party, and you have to go to this particular inn, and you go to sleep, and you wake up, but Cyan doesn't. You get sucked into his dream, and yeah. it's this whole alternate th- reality where he's battling the demons who are trying to possess his mind because he's so focused and hell bent on the fact that his wife and kid were killed. Yeah, that he can't move on with his life. So these demons inhabit his body and use that hatred to try and take him over but then at the end it kind of gives him a little closure on his wife and child yeah because they say you need to let us go yeah that was a huge theme in this game and it was it was really interesting because a lot of games don't i don't want to say a lot of games don't but at least at that time they they didn't really touch on real world issues and this one was was drawing a lot on people's inability to let go of things. Mm-hmm. The, a, a lot of quotes came forth from stuff like your friends, your family, things that happened in the past. You just have to let them go and move on. And you know because the world is destroyed, there's no going back to what it was. Yeah, and, it's, it's ever changing, and to hold on to the past is to just give up. Yeah, essentially, almost every character had some sort of issue they were holding on to in the past. I think. Maybe Locke didn't, but everybody else had some sort of... Well, no, Locke had one of the biggest ones because his wife died. Well, not his wife, his... She was engaged to... Oh, Rose. Yeah. But he brought Rose back, though. No, she died. Did you do the thing with the phoenix? Yeah. Okay. She came back for a few minutes. Well, no, and it's the same thing. She came back in order to give him closure. Yeah. And then she died again. Okay. But yeah, the, the coolest... One of the coolest things about this game is... Once you do the World of Ruin and you reunite 
reunite your whole party, there's a whole bunch of side quests you can do based on who's in your party. So if you have Locke in your party and you go to Narsh, you can unlock a bunch of doors that only uh, a thief can unlock, and Locke happens to be a thief. Mm-hmm. Or if you go to Doma Castle and sleep, then Cyan can have his visions. Or if you go to Ebon Rock with Realm and Strago in your party, who the fuck would do that? Because <laughs> fuck, fuck those, those characters. Uh, you get to have uh, a side quest about a demon who Strago has been fighting for his entire life, and you finally get to defeat him. And there's just a whole bunch of little things like that that just give these characters just a little bit more detail, more fleshing them out, and they make them that much more interesting, and they connect you to the characters that much more. And that's one thing that really draws me to RPGs, and and, um, it's hard for me to do that with modern RPGs, like Final Fantasy XIII and XIII-2. They were were purely story-driven, but I didn't feel as connected to these characters. Exactly, because everything about the characters is is, is spoon-fed to you. Yeah. It's like you don't... You don't encounter any of these situations with the characters where you actually feel for them, and you're like, "Oh man, this is this is a cool backstory that they're only semi-referencing." Like anything in a new Final Fantasy game, if they're referencing it, you're going to have they're a gonna... 25 minute cutscene about it. And... Yeah, and then all of these. What's great about this is they they allow you to infer. Yeah. What happened? You're allowed Whereas to use your own imagination to. Nowadays, they'll say, they'll, "Oh." I'm going to make sure that you understood that this person feels this way about that person. Yeah. Rather than like, hmm, I wonder if that person likes her. Mm-hmm. It's like reading a really poorly written book. But this, these characters are easy to connect to. Because you don't necessarily know everything about them. And yeah. I, I like that. That's, that's, that was what was really engaging about it. But Strago and Realm, fuck them. <laughs> uh, My next playthrough, I really want to use Realm all the way. I, I stumbled into a goofy glitch when I was trying to get Realm, um, because you go into, I don't remember the name of the city, um, but it's the one with the big mansion in the back with all the paintings that you uh, have to... Thamasa. Yeah, Thamasa. Um, no. Oh, no. No. That's... Uh, Jidor. Yeah, Jidor. Jidor has the painting. Um, I fell into a goofy glitch where I went into the back... And you're supposed to you're supposed to walk up the stairs and hit the lights, mm-hmm. but when I walked in, the lights were already on. And is that your cat? Yeah, their paws are coming under the door. <laughs> uh, so I walked in. Look at that. Look at. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> so I walked in. Lights are already on. And uh, I went upstairs, looked at the pictures, uh, looked at the pictures of flowers. It's like this is a picture of a, of, of a petunia. It almost looks alive. And then it's supposed to come to live and attack you. And then you go in through the whole process of, of going through this, this haunted mansion to get Realm. Not true. But, but here's what I found out. I could not get those paintings to attack me. So because that's not the painting that's supposed to attack you. I, I looked at every painting. Every single painting in there, I talked to it. See, the, thing, the way it works is it's the painting in the lower left corner, which is a painting of a, of a, woman. Of a lady. Yeah. And the only way you can get it to trigger is if you do the flower painting first. I did. So you do the flower painting, and then you do the lady painting. I did. So I, I, this is one time where I had to go and look up why can't I get Realm, and come to find out in the, the Super Nintendo version there was a glitch, and uh, if you walked out of Thamasa from the west... Jidor. No, Thamasa. Oh, really? When you walk out of Thamasa from the west instead of from the south, it doesn't trigger one of the variables that's programmed into the game. 
There was a lot. So I had to go. I had to go all the way back to Thamasa, walk in, and then walk back out. And I went back and instantly worked. Oh wow! Yeah, it was the stupidest glitch because I wanted to get Realm just to have 100 percent completion or as close to it as I could. Yeah, there was actually there's actually one glitch. I know it exists in the Super Nintendo version. I'm not sure if it exists in the the PS3 and the the PS versions. Mm-hmm. Uh, in one of the one of the areas, I think it's in Cyan's Dream, where you travel back to the caves of Narsh mm-hmm. in his dream, and you're all in Magitek armor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way the game works is it flags the lead character in your party as either wearing Magitek or not wearing Magitek for the sprite on the world map. Mm-hmm. But at the end of that scenario, it only deflags the leader of your party. So there's this big hierarchy of characters who, if they have Magitek, all characters below them in the in the hierarchy can gain Magitek. Mm-hmm. So what you can do is switch the party leader during that scene so that everybody gets the flag to have Magitek armor. And then once the the scene is over and your leader loses the flag, the three other people in your party will still have it. So that you can then use this hierarchy method to switch the leader between people who have Magitek armor and who don't have it. For the rest of the game. For the rest of the game. And still have Magitek. And still have Magitek. So the the speedrun that I watched, at the end of the game, they had fourteen characters all in Magitek. All in Magitek <laughs> armor. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Magitek armor is essentially insta kills. Like, uh, no, it's only the sprites. Oh, it only shows them as walking around the world map as having it. It doesn't show them in battle. Oh, but uh, what it is is it's essentially like a mech warrior that you you ride and it does a bunch of cool shit. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's just it's super cool seeing uh, the end scene where they're all flying and fighting Kefka and they're all wearing Magitek armor. That would be pretty sweet. <laughs> Um, I want to talk about a particular scene that um, I had, uh, like I said, this is the first time I've played it, and I've got this this huge spot in my heart for Final Fantasy music. I have all their, all the soundtracks, orchestral, oh, piano versions. Final Fantasy VI, amazing music. Absolutely. And I went to, probably three, four years ago, up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Twin Cities, whatever you want to call it, a Distant Worlds concert, where the, the Stockholm Philharmonic Orchestra put on all this music from Final Fantasy, and Nobu Umetsu was actually there. I think we talked about this on the podcast one time. Yeah, we, we may have. But one of the songs that came on that everybody just lost their mind for was the opera of Marie and Draco. Mm-hmm. And I had no relation to it. So when I finally got to this, I was thinking back to that, that orchestra and how impactful this whole scene is and how this this opera that you're you're watching and partaking in is almost like a miniature version of the entire game of Final Fantasy VI in an opera version. Minus the whole split of World of Ru- It's like the... the love- yeah, kind of. Yeah. It's, you have to... You can kind of choose who you want the main characters to be because there is an obvious love interest between Locke and Celeste. And, um... I mean, you can build a case for a lot of other people, but, uh... The opera scene is what really stands out as, like, the definitive scene of Final Fantasy VI for a lot of people. Yeah. It's just... I don't know, there's something about that scene. Uh, it's just, you, you don't see it coming. No. 
It's just the goofiest thing to have in a Final Fantasy scene. Like, oh, everybody here loves the opera. And it's like, I'm going to go partake in an opera. And... Well, you don't even you don't even want to be a part of the opera. It's just uh, Strago. No, not Strago. Setzer. Mm-hmm. Setzer is the character who... He owns the only airship in the world. And he's, he's a he, rampaging gambler. He's an inventor and a gambler. And he loves just living life to his own whims. Yeah. So... He gets it in his head that this opera singer, Maria, is the most beautiful woman he's ever seen, and he's going to show up to the opera house and kidnap her and marry her, because that's all it took back then. You just kidnap a bitch, and she's yours. Well, obviously. (laughs) You have an airship. Who's going to follow you? Exactly. She can't get off it. But then you get to... What city is that? South Figaro? Uh, With Celeste? And everyone's like, oh my god, you look just... No, it's um, Miranda. Miranda, that's right. Everyone says, you look... You, you are... look just like Maria, the opera singer. So they, they to get the airship, I guess, they, they use this whole opera yeah, scene they to... they do like a bait and switch. They they shove Celeste in there. Celeste takes the place of Maria, and there's actually a little, little side mini-game where you have to memorize the lines of the opera. Did you do it? Oh yeah. I memorized it. Yeah. So uh, the way it works is you go into the side room... And you read through the script of the opera, mm-hmm. and hopefully you remember the right sections that it, it prompts you on when you get into the actual opera. Because the opera, there'll be a couple lines of text, and then it'll stop, and it'll give you three options. And you pick one of the options, and if you're right, the opera continues, and if you're wrong, the crowd boos, and, and you, you go back off over. stage, and you have to start all over again. You only get three tries, too, right? Uh, I've never failed all three times, so... I failed once because I didn't get up to the balcony fast enough. Really? Yeah. I was I, dicking around looking at the something that had fallen on the ground. I didn't like, even know you could fail there. Yeah. I just didn't walk up there fast enough. Because it's all timed with the music. Yeah. Which is which is really cool. Which, but, yeah, it's another super cool part of the opera. It's just... Uh... If you get a chance, look on YouTube and listen to the Distant Worlds um, opera of Marie Andraco. It's 12 minutes long. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. It's actually one of my favorite favorite Final Fantasy songs now. Um, it's got the full opera singers in there singing the entire version of the song rather than just what's in the game. Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's astounding. But um, the one thing that, that, to me, felt out of place in this game, I mean, this game didn't have a lot of comedy in it. Uh, it did have some comedic relief moments. But this whole concept of Ultros, the, the talking octopus that yeah. just shows up in random spots... He was just kind of like... He was a throwaway boss. Yeah, he was just like a recurring boss character. A purple squid that he just kind of eased you into the concepts of boss battles. Yeah, he I, he was one of the first bosses. I think he was the first boss. On uh, Let River. That's how your party got split up. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, was he? Yeah. Yeah, he might be the first. Yeah, he totally was the first boss. The first official boss, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, you do have that fight earlier where you're fleeing Figaro Castle because Kefka invades it, and you have Terra, Locke, and Edgar, mm-hmm. and you're running on Chocobos. And there's a big scene where you can either fight these two Magitek who chase you and kill them, and then nothing happens, or if you use Terra and cast a spell. There will be this big long cutscene about how Locke and 
Edgar are like, holy fuck, this bitch can use magic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You were asking me something today when we were walking over to dinner um, about, or maybe this was last night, did I choose the sword? Oh, yes. Uh, One of the side quests with Locke is you go to Narsh and pick the locks like I was saying earlier. Uh, There's two locks you can pick. One of them will lead you to a shield, which is cursed, and argue it's it's hands down the best shield in the game once you get it uncursed, but the way to uncurse it is you have to fight 256 battles. Consecutive. Not not consecutive. I Uh, thought it was. It keeps track if you unequip the shield. And uh, I I understood it was consecutive battles. The shield is terrible. It gives you. It actually causes damage to you, doesn't it? It, it gives you every status ailment in the game, and it gives you doom, which is uh, in this <laughs> case with the shield is a sixty second countdown. Once it hits zero, you die. Mm-hmm. And uh, other than that, uh, it also gives you confusion. So if you equip the shield, essentially you're going to be killing your own party the entire time until you die. Yeah. Uh, the way to counteract that is obviously to equip a ribbon. Or life three. Uh, you no. could life three that person. Well, yeah, you could life three them, but they'll still be attacking you up until they die. Okay. So the way to get around it is you equip curse shield on someone and then equip ribbon on them. And then the only thing you have to worry about is the doom factor, because all the status ailments are cured. So if you can beat every battle in under 60 seconds, then you're fine. Uh, but once you unlock the shield, uh, you can learn Ultima, which is the best spell in the game. It, the shield will teach you Ultima. But you can get Ultima another way, too. Yeah, the other way to get Ultima is it gives you the option, you you visit this weapon master who's an expert blacksmith, and he has a piece of magicite, and he can either give you the piece of magicite, or he can use the piece of magicite to forge it into a sword. And if you forge it into the sword, uh, the magicite itself teaches you Ultima and has one of the hands-down best Esper abilities in the game. Did you ever use no. the Esper ability for it? No. Uh, it's called Morph, and you cast it on an enemy, and depending on which enemy you cast it on, it turns it into an item. I thought Morph was just Terra turning into an Esper. Uh, morph for Terra is Esper, but okay. there's also Morph for the Esper. What's Do you remember what it's called? that esper ragnarok is it ragnarok because the sword is ragnarok yeah it's the ragnarok esper uh ragnarok casts the morph spell Mm -hmm. and if you use morph on certain items you can get or certain enemies you can get super rare items like uh if you use morph on a level 90 magic from the fanatics tower from the fanatics tower you can get an Aura Lance, which normally you only get after beating Poltergeist, which was one of the last bosses in the game. Yes. So, you can get super high-end items if you take this morph, but you can't get the best sword in the game, because the best sword in the game is the Illumina, which you get you through... You have to go through the Colosseum. You bet the Ragnarok sword in the Colosseum. Lose, if you gone. lose, then it's gone forever. But any intelligent person would save. Save and then... Yeah. The only time I went to the Coliseum was to get two more experience eggs, because I had two extra Tintin bars. 
Uh, I didn't get any extra experience eggs. Really? No. I just, I had the one and that was more than enough. I wanted to grind up my characters real fast. But, uh, yeah, the Coliseum is, is one of the coolest side quests in any Final You can Fantasy spend a ton game. of time there. You can spend a there. ton of time. I kind of liken that to the amount of time you can spend in Final Fantasy XII doing the monster hunts. Either that or Chocobo Racing in Final Fantasy VII or Blitzball in Final no, Fantasy I wouldn't say No, I wouldn't say Chocobo Racing. I would say Chocobo Breeding. Well, no, because in order to breed the high-end Chocobos, okay. you still have to go through the races, right? Yeah, so. to get the black and gold yeah. Chocobo. But yeah, it's, uh, it's this... Essentially, it's a mini game that you have no control over, which is the the part of it which I think is the that's coolest. what scared me because I threw Gogo in the first time. Yeah, so the, <laughs> the way it works is you go to the Coliseum and you bet an item, mm-hmm. and let's say you bet the the Ragnarok sword, then you fight a fixed enemy. It's always the same with it. It depends on which item you pick, but it's always the same enemy, and. Uh, then you pick one character to fight that enemy, and they fight one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Each time it's your turn, the person you pick chooses one random ability from the entire pool of abilities they can use. It could be attack, it could be magic, it could be steel, it could be an item. No, it could. It's, the way it works is it could be attack, it could be cure one, cure two, cure three, bio... Fire 1, Fire 2, Fire 3. So the more abilities you have, the less chance of just getting a regular attack off. So if you have uh, somebody trained in all the magic spells... You're probably going to get their ass kicked. You're probably going to have like a, a 3% chance of just pulling a basic attack. Jeez. But uh, the Colosseum has, through, through gambling, you can get the best items in the game. And... The version that I played, uh, the reason I used Gao in my party mm-hmm. is because there was one item that you could get in the Coliseum called the Merit Badge, or the Merit Award. Uh, I didn't use Gao. Depending on which translation you played, it was okay. one or the other. Uh, and what it did is it was an accessory, and you equip it, and it lets you use heavy armor and weapons on any character that has it equipped. Because so, who are the only ones who can use heavy uh, Cyan, Edgar can use some heavy, and that's pretty much it. Wow. So, once you equip this accessory, Gao is a physical-only character. He's not allowed to equip weapons, but in the, fu- in the Super Nintendo version, if you equip this accessory on him, you're allowed to equip weapons on him, which is super broken, because Gao already has the highest base figure in the game which is your your physical attack modifier because he, does, he doesn't have weapons yeah so you take a vigor of 80 and then you add a weapon on top of that and all of a sudden your vigor is maxed yeah you're hitting for as hard as you possibly can hit but he doesn't have the the option to attack all he does is rage so one of the rages you can use changes your vigor to a magic stat because the way the game works is your attack stat can have a max value of 128. Mm-hmm. But your magic stat can have a max value of anything you can get it to. So magic be- attack. Yeah. Okay. So because this one ability called uh, Stray Cat is... Yeah, the, I remember that one. ...is, is the, the name of the rage that transfers it. Because it changes physical into magic, 
if you boost his magic high enough, or, uh, oh, sorry, if you boost his physical high enough, and you break the 128, since it transfers it all to magic, you can go as high as you want. So you equip him with a certain weapon that has a 50% chance to cast uh, an AoE attack on everyone. Mm -hmm. So if it casts that, it counts as magic... It, it, counts as the magic stat of the character when it casts the AoE spell. Okay. So essentially, you equip him with the Offering, which gives you four attacks for the price of one. I thought those were all four physical attacks, though. Uh, this counts as a physical attack, but it's transferred to magic damage. Okay. So the way it works is you give him the Merit Badge, the Offering, the weapon that gives you a 50% chance of AoE, and then you have uh, essentially a 100% chance hit every enemy on the screen for 20,000 damage every time his turn comes up. So basically it's one hit kill. You it's, just it's you let you let everybody's yeah. you let everybody's ATB come up and you just skip to go and and yeah, end battle. Guaranteed you can if as soon as you have this you've beat the game. There's no way you can be killed. And how do you get merit badge through the Coliseum? Uh, you bet an imp halberd which, which gives is very you, common, which gives you a cat hood and then you bet that which gives you the merit badge. Okay. See, the, the way that I cheated my way through the game was um, the Vanish. I started with Vanish yeah. and I, Doom. I regret telling I, you about this glitch. I abused the <laughs> shit out of that. So you can, you can cast a spell that you're supposed to use on yourself. Yeah. And it causes you to be invisible and they can't hit you. Yeah, they That's, can't hit you with physical attacks, but it drastically lowers your magic defense in order to counteract the fact yes. that you can't be hit with physical. However, there's a glitch in the game where you can cast Vanish on the enemy and they disappear, which renders them unable to be hit with anything. Except magic. But when you hit them with magic, then they reappear. So you, if you... If, yeah, you get a one-time hit. Yeah. Guaranteed. So if you Vanish them, and then there are two spells you can use after that. I started using Doom... Which yeah. is a which is a programming glitch. I'm assuming um, if you if you can vanish an enemy, you can cast Doom on them and they die instantly. Yeah. Any enemy that can be vanished can be instantly killed with either Doom or the other one is Exone. Yeah, and I started going to that island in the World of Ruin with the dinosaurs who give you. I was using the experience egg, which doubles your XP. Yeah, probably like thirteen thousand. It was about eight to ten thousand per battle. Just vanish Exone, and if you have Edgar with. Um, uh, what's the what's the relic that gives you X magic? Uh, the gem box. The gem box. You can cast two spells, and if you have him with vanish and X zone, boom, it's one character gone. Yeah. So you can use this on bosses, and there are eight dragons in the world of ruin, and every one of them can be vanish X zoned. Yeah. So any boss, that was the first thing I did was flip over to Edgar. Can you vanish him? Boom, X zone done. Yeah. And in Kefka's tower, there was what thirteen bosses. Yeah. The the, and that's one of the coolest things. The end dungeon in this game there's 12 or 13 boss fights yeah in the in the tower and uh i think nine or ten of them you can vanish x-zone or vanish doom them it's a good good handful it's a good of chunk them. yeah i tried it on kefka didn't work didn't work sadly but uh <sighs> but yeah there's there's a lot of like super strange glitches in the game that the programmers I kind like, of, a lot of them the, the programmers knew about they just 
didn't physically have the time to go in and fix him. Well, this game's so complex. I mean, Gao alone, every time you fight an enemy, the enemy goes to a place called the Velt. Yeah. And then the only way you can get new skills for Gao is going to the Velt, engaging in a battle, and then Gao goes and gallivants off these creatures yeah, he for does a while. his thing and then when he comes back he has learned their gains spells. all the abilities of all the enemies that he left the fight during. is it all of the enemies yeah. on screen all the enemies on screen that he left during and all the enemies on the screen that he returns during oh wow yeah. i thought it was only so the it, ones that it actually is a lot quicker than you think it is but but uh, every time you fight a new enemy you and want to get their skills you go back to the belt yeah and it's really hard to get back to the belt um once you lose the airship yeah. Because you have to go all the way through Baron Falls, and then you leave your ship at G-Door, some goofy-ass place. But uh, 256 is, like, a number that occurs multiple times in this game, and that happens to be the number of enemies in the game that you can get rages from. You can get 256 256 different rages. Different rages. And Jesus. each one of them has four abilities. So you get, let's say, you use uh, the Brawler Rage. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's four different abilities that are used... In that rage, and each one has an equal chance of being used. Some of them, like uh, Stray Cat, which is why it's so good, has a 50% chance of basic attack and a 50% chance of the AoE attack. Yeah. Which is why Stray Cat is so overpowered. Yeah. But uh, all of them have this. So essentially, Gao has 256 times 4 attacks that he can use during the game. I, the next time I play through this, I think I really want to play through the Game Boy Advance version because with certain RPGs, I'm very completionist. I want to get 100% of absolutely everything. And in the Game Boy Advance version, there's a menu where it keeps track of how many of the game's enemies you've beaten, how many of each of the characters' special weapons you've gotten, how many... It, just, it keeps track of absolutely everything. So I think the next time I play through this, it's definitely going to be the Game Boy Advance version. Yeah. Uh, one of the other glitches in the game is... Uh... There's two stats. Uh, one of them is the dodge stat. And people obviously know what dodge is. Dodge is... Uh, is it dodge or evade? Either way. Dodge okay. or evade. But it's physical attacks use the dodge stat. And then magical attacks use the M block stat, which is magic block. Uh, there was a glitch in the game that, for some reason, they didn't fix when they ported it over to the PS version. They fixed a lot of the other glitches. They took out uh, the Gao glitch with the merit badge. So Gao can't even equip the merit badge in the PlayStation version. That's a shame. Uh, I'm not entirely sure if the the Magitech armor glitch is still in the PlayStation version. I would assume that it's not. But uh, the glitch that is still in it is a programming glitch that renders the dodge slash evade stat completely useless. Every ability in the game is gauged off the M-Block stat. Okay. So physical attacks, instead of being countered by dodge, are countered by M-Block. So any item that gives you dodge is useless, and any item that gives you M-Block is the best item you can ever touch. Mm -hmm. Uh, When Eric and I were beating it last night... Because neither of us beat it on time. Because neither of us beat it in time. So we both used Eric's save file and kind of called it a team win enjoyed it together yeah. uh, I, I think your exact quote was let me show you something before you hurt yourself yeah, because eric he didn't level up his alternate characters enough no nah, not at all so i had a crew of my crew of four was level 60 and everybody else is in the, the mid yeah, 20s like the 
20s and 30s. So Eric was was running around just getting his ass beat by all these characters. So I'm just like, okay, let me show you something. So I grabbed the controller, and the thing is, uh, there's a button in this game called Optimum Equipment. So you my go, friend. You go to equip your characters. There is equip where you can choose whatever you want for each stat. Yeah. Uh, there's remove where you remove character or you remove equipment from your characters, and then there's an optimum button which picks the quote unquote optimum equipment for your character between yeah. all the items that you have. And for someone who doesn't, uh, the only way to actually figure out what an item does in the game can is I have some of this. Go for it. Uh, the only way to figure out what an item does in the game is to go into the item menu, find the specific item, and then click on it again, and uh, and read what it does. So, a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people will just use Optimum and say, fuck it, it's got to be the best equipment. It's the best equipment for your battle power... And defense. And defense. It doesn't take into account unlock at all. It doesn't take into account anything else. So I went and switched all of Eric's equipment around, and once you hit your cap of 128 M block, you essentially can't be hit by anything that Shit can be... Shit got real easy. Anything that can be dodged can no longer hit you. Yeah. Because dodges and magic attacks are both factored into the same stat. So Eric went from... Taking, uh, twelve to thirteen hundred damage per hit. Yeah, to nothing. To about forty. Yeah, to, to even, zero. Damage even on my total. shit characters, my 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 A team wasn't getting hit at all. Yeah, missing. I think in the final battle because Kefka's final form has what four forms? Four forms. Yeah. Never healed once. Yeah. Just and uh, my playthrough, I had three characters. I had Locke, Celis, and Gao were all max and block. And Cyan had max defense of 256. So his physical defense was 256, and his magic defense was 256. So he could still be hit by things, but it would do, like, 15 damage. So... Hmm. It was just... If you know these little secrets about the game... But that's the thing, you're not gonna know that. Exactly, you're not gonna know. There's no way... A, you use a walkthrough, you have somebody tell you. Yeah. Because um, I never would have looked at, at M-Block. Exactly. Like, what the fuck like, is M-Block? Why, why would I go through an equipment walkthrough when I can just go through a game walkthrough, right? Yeah. Yeah, because I was just going for, all right, here we go, Optimum. And it kind of pissed me off that they was never using the uh, the Enhancer, I think. Is that the lightsaber one? Uh, the Enhancer is the lightsaber one because it has 20 M-Block. Yeah. Uh, the Abma weapon is probably the one you're thinking of. Yeah. The Abma weapon is, you get it right at the end of the World of Balance, and it's a weapon that has a range of damage. Mm-hmm. It has between 40 attack power and 256 attack power. And the way it determines which part of the range you get is based on your health percentage. So if you're at 100% health, you'll get the full 256. If you're at 1% health, then it'll drop down to 40. Uh, but the way that the optimum equipment setup checks is it checks the minimum damage. So according to the optimum setup, this thing will only ever do 40 attack damage. So it's it's always terrible. For the Atmo weapon. Yeah. But it's one of the best weapons in the game. Yeah. 
I can't think of any other little but oh did you choose Odin or go with Raiden uh I took Raiden I think I took Raiden as well which yeah. I don't even remember what Odin does I don't even know what he teaches you cause Odin that, that scenario was in the ancient castle right yeah there's uh the fact the Figaro castle which we talked about earlier which mm-hmm. can move uh, it moves by burrowing itself down into the sand and then moving to another desert moves, moving to another desert and then in the world of ruin they say oh we've hit something you want to go explore yeah so you go explore and there's this huge underground castle castle and you, and you find Odin's side and another dragon to fight well and that's really cool though because they give you this backstory of the queen of this ancient castle and her love affair with the the esper Odin yeah and you get Odin's magicite, and then if you if you decide to just walk away and be done with it, you you can. But I'm actually kind of surprised that, but you had the walkthrough for this part, right? Yeah. Okay. There's a hidden staircase that uh, you can go and, and see the queen's chamber, and if you talk to the queen's the, the queen's throne, which I'm assuming her body is on, yeah. Um, Odin's magicite responds to it, and you can either say "fuck you, I'm keeping him," or um, give the, the Esper over to the Queen, and she turns it into Raiden. And Raiden... Doesn't Raiden teach you quick? Um... I'm pretty sure Raiden teaches you quick. Is it quick, or is it... No, uh... Oh, no, it is. Yeah, you're right, because... And if you... Uh, Crusader teaches you Murton. See, I didn't get Crusader. Crusader was the one that you get after beating all the dragons. I never used it, because... Yeah, you just never... I got it... Ten minutes before the end of the game, yeah, which to me seems pointless to give you an esper at that point because didn't have a one percent learn rate, yeah. Um, but no, with quick you can. I found a way that you can kind of cheat the system if you give somebody the offering, gem box, and the gem box, offering and gem box, offering and gem box, and cast quick on them. You can get eight attacks at once. Well, no, that's just. Genji Glove plus Offering is 8 attacks. What am I thinking of with the... With Quick? Because Quick no, instantly I'm, I'm allows sure, you... I'm sure Offering plus Quick would also be 8 attacks. But what about Offering plus Quick plus Gem Box plus Genji Glove? Because Genji Hold Glove on, is... Let me, let me think here. Genji Glove is automatically 2. So if you put on Gem Box, that's 8. But you can, offering. you can only get 2 Relics. So if you're... Equipping gem box gem and box offering and offering Genji glove is you don't equipment. get an, you no Genji glove is is a relic no it's not yeah it is oh yeah you're right yes so so yeah you cast quick so wait let's say let's no, say you, you went Genji glove to, let's no, say you went on. offering even, and Genji even glove. if you do gem box and offering if you cast quick twice shouldn't that give you four attacks at four so it should give you theoretically 16 attacks it should and if you're using Sabin or just anybody dual wielding you can't dual wield without the Genji Genji Glove Glove. yeah but not everybody can equip Genji Glove no everybody can equip Genji Glove so I was using Sabin and Sabin was hitting for like three four thousand a hit so if you got 16 hits with three thousand a piece that's game over yeah. But I never really put any of that to use. Hmm. End of this game, what'd you think? Because I feel like we've we've covered my god, we've covered a lot. 
I don't think I have any other... Uh, one of the things I actually wanted to talk about before we move on to the end was uh, the espers have a level up bonus. So, <laughs> depending on which esper you have equipped... I wish I would have taken more time to abuse this. Depending on which esper you have equipped, you, uh, you level up and you get a bonus with that esper. So, uh, Kirin will give you... Plus ten percent HP. Bismarck will give you plus one to strength. Yeah, like they'll they'll there'll be a bunch of different there things. There are two that give you plus one to strength. One is is one Fenrir. It's yeah. either Fenrir or Ragnarok. And Bismarck. But yeah, there's a there's a bunch that do the same type of stuff. But uh, Eric didn't abuse this at all. No, I abused the fuck out of this. Every single time I leveled up with my my party of four, like I kept all these numbers in my head. I'm like, okay, I'm 240 experience away from leveling up. I need to switch my espers out so that I get the right bonus. My magic... Salus uh, was my main magic user. My magic power on her was high 90s. And to put that in perspective, Eric's magic user was like 40-something. That was after 30 hours. And that was play. after 30 hours. See, and that's the thing, is that they don't beat you over the head with how to use these espers. They say, here you no, go. It's just they don't like, even show you how to equip There isn't them. even a tutorial yeah. at all. So you can get as in-depth with these as you want because once you once you equip an esper, they have a bunch of different spells they can teach you and they're all at different learn rates. So some are like times 25, some yeah. are times whatever, and each battle will give you three magic points yeah, or five. magic points and then the magic points go towards learning that. the learn rate equals how fast you learn a spell. So some some characters if you if you want to be intelligent about it you can say Celeste is going to be my magic user only going to give her things that, that up her magic stat up the magic stat and then other people's strength I was just kind of going the shotgun approach you're like hey let's give you Madwin alright yeah. you're going to get Shiva you're going to get Shout alright you get Carbuncle yeah, you get spells that I want yeah so uh, but just to put it into perspective for you on on the drastic difference that this magic stat gives you. How many... When you when you were healing your guys in mm-hmm. between fights, how many cures do you figure it took you to cure your entire party from zero to full? Like, cure it's one... Just regular cure, cure one? Cure one spell. 15, 20? I could heal my entire party from zero to 6,000 health with three cure spells. Three cure ones. Wow. I was pounding through the MP. I didn't yeah. have enough ether or elixirs by the end of the game. Like, Eric... <laughs> what was that? I don't know. Wow. <laughs> Eric, when uh, when I was watching him play, he was just buying uh, tincture after tincture and ether after ether. Those are the items that increase your MP in the game. And he was just burning through them. And I'm like, holy fuck. I am so happy that my M stat is so sleeping high. bags everything like, pounding through because uh gold hairpin plus my cure spell and my magic stat meant nine mp would give me full health on my entire party <sighs> lucky <laughs> and yeah I, I would be like okay well eric this enemy here is weak to fire so hit him with a fire three and he'll die and then Eric casts Fire 3, it does 2,000 damage, and the guy's, like, laughing at him. Like, holy fuck, that'll So be... then I just pull out Edgar <laughs> with the quick on the double Ultima, and I bum rush with uh, Go-Go yeah. and Sabin, and it's game over. So, 
that's what's so neat about this is there's so many different play styles and and even playing through it twice you're not going to get the same result in how your and party that's the plays thing though because it has 14 main characters every character is a main character essentially because as soon as you get them you can use them as your main character i always walked around with mog whenever mog was in my party he was my main character uh i don't i don't like mog he has uh every, everybody has uh a sub skill so Locke's sub-skill will be he can steal from the enemy. Sabin's sub-skill will be he has blitzes, which are powerful martial arts attacks. Edgar's is tools, so he can shoot you with a crossbow or hit you with a chainsaw or drill your ass with a drill. Uh, Mog has dances, and the way you learn new dances is by fighting in a an area that gives you that dance. Yeah, it's kind so, of the same way Gao gets it. Except it's it's locationally. Yeah, so it's like a desert area will give you the desert dance, the water area will give you the water dance, the forest area will give you the forest dance type of thing. Going back and getting that water one on the Let River without the airship was a bitch. Yeah, uh, arguably Mog's best dance is the water dance, and you can only get it in two places in the game. And, and they're both super it, inconvenient. And if you miss it, you can never get it again. Yeah, Leet River and Baron Falls. Because getting it from Leet River, you're going to have a ton of walking to do regardless of where you park your airship. Yeah. The fuck? Hey, Hollywood. The Clash of Clans shit's ready to go. Clash of Clans, motherfuckers. So, the ending of this game. Let's let's get to the ending of it. Okay. Um, Everybody finally, depending on how many people you get together, everybody convenes on Kefka's Tower. And... They they approach him and he's achieved this goofy super god status and and uh, basically you say we're not going to let you do this to which he replies you're 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 cookie cutter puny human whatever let's fight mm-hmm. this is one of the coolest ending battles I've played a oh, lot yeah. of Final Fantasies but this, this is the ending battle in this game is. Like, we, we talked about this earlier, there's 11 or 12 boss fights in the ending tower. Well, the, let's talk about the ending tower for a minute. You have to use every character at some point in the ending tower, unless you want to try to cheat the system like I started to. Well, there's... You need to make three parties. Three groups of four. Each or can who have four. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if you recruit every, if you recruit all 14, you won't use two people. Uh, for my playthrough, obviously that was Roman's Drago. Yep. Just fuck those two. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I hate those two, but fuck them. I don't, there's something about them. They're just you get them it. at the same time. In you in the story of the game, you get them at the same time, and they both do the same thing. All Realm wants to do is draw a goddamn they're, picture. They're both high magic stat people, low attack power. And they both have uh, a gimmicky special ability that is never going to be useful. So you're only using them for their magic stat. Yeah. Uh, Realm actually has the highest base magic stat in the game. So if you're looking to build a pure mage and you want to put in the time, then Realm is your obvious choice. No. But... I just can't stand them. It's, it's, it's not worth the effort. So you put together this team, you land on Kepka's Tower, and it's kind of very early cooperative RPG where you can switch between your parties and one party has to step on a switch that opens a doorway for party two who steps on a switch who opens a door for party three and then you yeah. keep switching back and forth. But if you haven't leveled up all your characters, I mean, you're going to run into some badass monsters in Kefka's Tower that yeah. can knock you out in one hit. 
So my go-to defense was I initially started with I'm going to put Mog in a team, give him the Moogle Charm, no battles whatsoever. It's kind of like in Final Fantasy VIII uh, when you can get the, the zero encounters. Yeah. Um, run him through to where he needs to be, step on the switch, then take my A-team through, fight the bosses that I need to fight, warp out, and then put my A-team in group two, Mog in the next group that needs to move team two through, and kind of like half-ass my way through it. And that got really tiresome because you have to go back through the entire tower every single time. So once Kev showed me how to work with the M stat, um, I was finally able to, to kind of plow my way through. I mean, it's, some of it still sucked, but uh, using the Vanish X zone saved my ass quite a yeah, bit. But yeah, it makes a lot of really hard fights trivial. 13 bosses in the final tower. So Thir- 13 or 11. Who Whatever. Knows? So let's talk Including about... Including the dragon. Let's talk about the final fight, because... Yeah. Once you get to the final fight, there's a cutscene, and then you rank everyone who came into the party. So everyone who was put into one of your initial three groups uh, could be anywhere between three and twelve people. Uh, you rank them. So is it only the people you brought in? Yeah. So the first four will be the people who you start the fight with, and what the game doesn't tell you is normally when somebody dies in a fight, you can use life or a phoenix down or something to revive them and then Mm -hmm. heal them up and they'll be back to fighting form. In the final boss fight in Final Fantasy VI, if somebody dies, they're gone. And they bring in the next squad. Then they bring in the next person from your ranking. So your party starts with 1 to 4. If somebody in the 1 to 4 dies, the person in the 5 slot will move in to fill it in. So if you don't know that... And you don't game the system. Uh, Life 3 is a spell that you can cast. Yes. Uh, What it does is it sticks essentially what's a buff on the person. So that says, if they die, immediately revive them. So Life 3 will bypass this insta-death that takes them out of the party. So if you don't know that... And you've only been leveling up a a core group of people... And somebody happens to die then you're going to be in a lot of trouble because that person will die and then your five slot will and come in. And before you know it, you're fighting with Dragon Realm. Yeah, before you know it, you're fighting with Dragon Realm. <laughs> Fuck those two. <laughs> but, uh, but I actually think that that is one of the coolest mechanics I've ever seen in a boss fight ever. Totally. In any game ever. Because the first time that I played this game, the first time I beat it, I didn't know about the Life 3 gimmick because I had no idea what was going to happen in the boss fight. So, as soon as my first person died and the other one came in, I'm like, holy shit, what's life going three on these here? Guys. Yeah, I'm like, then I'm like, okay, well, life three. Like, because... Well, and having Edgar or somebody with the gem box, you can hit two of them right away. Yeah. But, uh, so you work your way through, you start off at the base, and, and Kefka's like this spire of, of bodies and dragons and... Yeah, it's just a whole bunch of, of things that Kefka has absorbed in order to give himself more power. Yeah, he's just kind of this amalgam of, of all of his parts that have made him who he is and, yeah, and, and what he's obsessed with. And, and then once you finally get to the top of this tower, there's Kefka. Easily the best looking sprite I've yeah, ever seen. Yeah, easily. By far the coolest sprite. Essentially he looks like uh, like an angel. Yeah. Like he's got giant wings. Big purple wings. Yeah, he kind of like, like a fallen angel if you yeah. could imagine what that would look like. 
Which is goofy because every depiction that you see of Kefka in sprite form, even the first couple times you fight him, doesn't look anything like his character sprite does. No. But this final battle, just after having you help me set it up, like I said, I took zero damage. Just plowed right through yeah, it. So if you set yourself up... If uh, actually somebody tweeted out at me when I was asking for questions is how hard is this game compared to other Final Fantasies? I think it's really hard compared to other Final it's Fantasies. It's super hard until you know what you're doing. Yeah. Once you know what you're doing, then the game becomes completely trivial. I like, think... If, you, if you're playing the Super Nintendo version and you use the Gao Stray Cat glitch, then game's already done. Uh, if you use the M-Block stat, a lot of people who do the challenges that we were talking about earlier... They consider maxing M block to be to nullify the challenge. Mm-hmm. If you max your M block, then you're cheating and you don't deserve. I think uh, thinking back on it, Ultros is not the first boss fight. Um, when you go to find Saban, that's the first boss fight. The guy oh. out, out out front, and I think no, that's... no, because uh, what's his? Oh yeah, that is when... before Elite River. You're right. Yeah, because you go to Mount... so. I don't know what it is. Oh, that's going to bug me. But, um... Fuck. I lost my train of thought. What was I talking about? I don't know. You were talking about boss fights. I don't fucking know. What the hell is that goddamn... I don't even remember what I was just talking about. I had a sweet point. Oh, well, whatever. You're going to look at the name of that mountain? Yeah. (laughs) It's not Zozo. This isn't even the right walkthrough. Um... That's going to bother me that I can't remember what I was going to say. Oh, well. Oh, that's what I was going to say. The, the learning curve kind of ends right Mount there. Mount Colts. Okay. At Mount Colts, that's where the learning curve kind of ends. It's really steep learning curve up to that point. If you can get past that first boss battle, because I, who's going to think to level grind their characters for the first five hours of the game? If you don't level grind for at least 15 to 20 minutes, if not longer, you're not going to pass Mount Colts. That's not true. Uh, Mount Colts is actually a timed event. If you survive, I think it's two minutes. If you make it past two minutes into the fight, Saban shows, Saban up. shows up, and then you do one blitz technique and you win. No matter what it is. Uh, so essentially what you can do if you guys are super underleveled, you can just defense the whole way. Because in the speed run, when you beat the game in six hours, obviously you're going to be running from a lot of fights. So, you guys are going to be super under-leveled. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you just defense your guys until Saban shows up, and then you do a blitz, which instantly wins the fight. Tech. See? That's tech. Like I said, like it's one of those games where... It's as you, hard as you want it to be. If you know the secrets and you know how to get through it, then there's no challenge whatsoever. Like, m- my playthrough, like, I died twice party wipe in Kefka's tower because I was using a party that was drastically underleveled for what I was trying to do. And that's the that's straight up the only reason why I died. If I would have taken probably an extra 1 hour to level up my extra my extra characters, then there's no chance that I would have died. Yeah. I think if you take that time to level your characters and play play a JRPG the way that you know, I think it's kind of an unwritten rule with JRPGs. Yeah, is level grind. Level grind for sure. But uh, if you take the time to do that, then find a good spot and then just go for it. The best spot, hands down, World of Ruin, um, Dinosaur Forest. Dinosaur Forest. It's just west of Triangle Island. Yeah, and north of the Veld. 
Yeah. So only forest forest piece there. It's actually kind of cool because it's called Dinosaur Forest because A, all the enemies you fight in it are dinosaurs, and B, if you zoom out on the world map, it actually looks like a Tyrannosaurus Rex head. Does it? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't pick up on that. Because you were telling me, go to the forest that looks like a dinosaur head, and I didn't pick up on that. But, uh, yeah, best spot in the game there. Um, no, so the, it, it, it's it's one of those Final Fantasies where it's it's as hard as you want to make it. Um, but it's really, really enjoyable. I didn't play it for the level grinding or anything like that. I just kept going because, like, what's going to happen with these people and these people and these mm. people, except for Strygon Realm. I didn't give a fuck. <laughs> so... After the credits, it's... I don't know. They had some sweet stuff after the credits. I thought yeah, it was kind the, of a cool post-credits. The end credits, credits were actually real good. Once you beat the game, it kind of flips into this this post-movie credit storyboarding where it'll it'll introduce the characters. For some reason, they decide to give the characters last names. Last names, yeah. You never know these people never, have last names. During the entire game, it never references other than Edgar and Saban because they're the king of Figaro, therefore their name is Figaro. Yeah. But Other than those people, it doesn't reference anybody else having a last name whatsoever during the game, and then all of a sudden during the credits, it's like, Cyan as Cyan Garabonde, yeah. or like, whatever. And then it shows this little clip of what's going on, and then and I didn't save Shadow when yeah. the, the floating continent broke away. So, Sh- Shadow's ending, because normally where it would have like the clip of what happens to Shadow after he's running away from Kefka's tower. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, it just has a picture of Shadow, and then just like a black screen of uh, essentially where you find him the first time. So Gao will be uh, the Cave of the Belt, because that's the first dungeon that you get after finding Gao. Okay. Shadow will be... Uh... Fuck, I don't remember what Shadow's was, but... All I saw is a picture. Yeah. <laughs> and then where his thing should be. But then at the very end, they break down the fourth wall and say, And you... Yeah, you're a part of the game. Good for you. <laughs> so, I'm gonna see if we have any emails. Uh, yeah, we had that one question from. Uh, I'll give him a shout out because he was the only guy who tweeted me out with a, a Final Fantasy relevant question. A friend of mine from back home actually tweeted me out with a stupid question about if Jesus could microwave a burrito that even he could not eat. Blah 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 blah. Uh, ben Twitter handle Hazimat shot out a question and. Uh, we already talked about that, how difficult it is compared to other questions, let's, compared to other Final Fantasies. Let's see here. i got to log into the factory sealed one here. Uh, oh, you know, I feel like we don't do this enough, but it's George Vosper's birthday tomorrow. Who the fuck is George Vosper? One of our followers. Fuck him! <laughs> don't give no fucks! Happy birthday, George. Happy birthday, George. Uh, I don't think we really have any other no it's it's like especially for a show like this it's hard for to come up with questions because i'm sure a lot of the people who are listening have no idea or did not play it or have never played this game because most Uh, of our show we just do like an hour or two of the show yeah you know this this show we were supposed to play spice world i would highly recommend anybody who has access to a ps3 or god forbid an emulator on your computer Play this game. This oh, is yeah. hands down. I think it's the best Final Fantasy game. I'm not going to give it best. I'm not going to give it best because I think eight is better. Would you give it second best? I'd give it in the top five. I can't rank it because they change. Okay. It's one of the best. How about we leave it open ended like that? All right. One of the best. One of the best. 
Um, I think we should roll it out on the opera of Marie and Draco. Are we going to sing it? Fuck no. We're just going to play it, and then we're going to sit here and listen to it. All right, uh, that's cool. i got to find it here. So... Thanks for thanks for sitting here and listening to us chat about. Yeah, we actually we pounded out a solid two hours about Final Fantasy. That's crazy. I, I was surprised and, and we had good dialogue. We did for two people. Yeah, two people on a show. All right, so uh, we're gonna be out in E three. We're leaving tomorrow morning. Whatever time we get up. Yeah, whatever time we get out of here. Uh, we are definitely we do have a camcorder this time. We're gonna be doing a lot of video content. Um, well, I don't know if we're going to post that every night. Well, no, we're not going to post the video content every night. Hopefully, we'll get the podcast up every night. Yeah, hopefully. But, uh, again, don't don't hold that to us because we're going to be drunk and I'm on vacation. So, yeah. it'll be up by the weekend for sure. Absolutely. Um, follow us on, you can follow me on Twitter, at Honest Pizza. Uh, you can follow me, Dinner Dangles. We'll let you know what's going on at E3. Yeah. All right. Opera, Marie and Draco.